So it's uh, certainly my last few days here. So I just you know, had this inclination just to kind of come back into into the group form. Don't have anything particularly. Just this kind of like a I work on homing instincts, <laughs> like a bird, and I just home in on. Oh well, you know you can't just leave. You have to come back into the group you know, to check in and uh, be present, even though we've had a good amount of interactions here and there and qigong and so forth so it's a sense of acknowledging having spent time together even necessarily been a lot of conversation or dialogue or you know physically moving around but still we have spent we have spent time together we've been in each other's presence we've been aware there's something that happens just when people come out of just being you know in their own thing, into being something that's a group quality to it. Yeah. And it happens on a what I call the homing instinct level. Yeah. Our kind of we say uh, the intelligence that animals have, which uh, we all have and we have another lot of intelligences above that. Yeah. But that that fundamental I call it the embodied intelligence is uh, uh, it's a it's a saviour because it always tells the truth. And you know, your thinking mind can come up with all kinds of terrible, terrible, um, crippling fantasies and delusions and fears and phobias and compulsions. Mm. So we're using this embodied quality, which is slightly not necessarily verbal. It's a it's a feeling sense because it's always. You know, it's limited. It's always, it always tells you where you are, and it tells you when you're getting uh, stressful. It tells you what when your mind is taking over and going, you know, taking you into difficult places. Because mm. uh, the body, body intelligence is always here, present. You know, it's um, unless there's something really directly physical happening, it's naturally quite uh, warm, uh, open, and relaxed. So you see the deer, the natural state, they're just moving around, they're not, you know, if they saw a wolf they get excited, but most of the time they're just nuzzling around, they're quite comfortable and okay. Look at those deer, they jeez, they're, they're in a better state than I am. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have issues with each other. <laughs> they don't have these kind of convoluted intelligences <laughs> but also you'll recognise you know that you in some sense you naturally form an entity a group entity where your personality is difficult or different you can have personal difficulties but you form an entity and then you also recognise you know uh, what or you must remember that this is all quite contingent that is, you know, we will all, the group will break up. And then you can find yourself suddenly in a rather different state just because you're out of a situation where there's, there's so much openness, peacefulness, relaxation, ease, allowance, tolerance. Uh, you know, not necessarily loud spoken, but continually background that you can feel on a gut level. You can open into that allows you to be more aware of where your 
tanha, your craving, your suffering is, and your desperation is, and you should be more aware of it in an open way. So that's part of the paradigm of monasteries, is that in some ways they make you feel worse. (laughs) 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 Because they take take the bandages off. (laughs) You know, suddenly you get the chance that Oh really? All the things you were normally too busy to deal with, or to you know, certainly it becomes apparent. You know. and that's contingent. So you know, we do recognise with great uh, gratitude. Uh, you know what what has been uh, everybody's contributed to to just establishing, building, working in in group process. So just to. Acknowledge that, and also, you know, we've had a, a Jinchunda kind of acting as the mooring post or the pilot or whatever you like to call it, but which is an incredible offering, really. Yeah, just uh, by and large, you know, amongst my golden quiet time retreat. So it's um, it was his offering to do that and to sort of learn from it, also. It's not. I don't think it's been always easy or comfortable. You get a lot of uncertainties and doubts and issues coming up by being a focal point. So it's it's uh, quite an incredible offering, really. Three months. So naturally, all the other, well, certainly myself and Ajibru Dhammo, you know, really offering, trying to offer some support and friendship for him and for all of you to sort of to make the situation as suitable as possible you know what you find in in monasteries which you may not immediately get so much on in a retreat is is you know meditation techniques and all yeah yeah but mostly it's just about what the situation itself does Uh, situational practice and within that, you can you can pick up particular skillful means, you know, of meditation, of you know, dialogue or whatever that help to point in that. But basically, the whole situation itself is already a practice because you've got the boundary of the precepts, you've got the qualities of generosity and renunciation. There, they're given. They're in the field, and so something in you can recognise that and starts to, to unfold just because of that. And uh, this is great because even when you leave, you you should begin to have used this time so you get to the essence of what's important to to bear with, and it's so obvious in a way for noble truths. You know, and when you translate that into your daily life, where do I get stressed? Where do I, you know, what's the kind of suffering that is really my program doing it not because sickness comes to me not because an accident happens to me just the suffering that my mind creates this is this is a practice how does it do that you know and it has an origin you know it does that it has an origin it doesn't need to but it does <laughs> so there's a choice you know, uh, that's made or that we don't even see as a choice it's compulsion compulsion the compulsion to suffer <laughs> which would seem totally counterintuitive but but that's that's it you know 
and the compulsion to suffer is because of particular what I call programs or latent tendencies or fixed patterns that we've adopted that are erroneous and they're centered around essentially become a sense of I am the historical personality is often the, the casing around these these suffering programs <laughs> yeah. and that's the one so you know in a way the beauty of it is you that particular seed the I am as it manifests as you not not as a concept as you actually experience it that's what you carry with you and that is your that's your practice because yeah. in that are the programs of uh, of the origin of suffering is just in that and the I will generally manifest as I, I am becomes a kind of object so I am is what do people think of me I am, am I worthy enough I am what should I be um, what, people, what ought I to be um, what will I never be you know these are the kind of um, energies that come up and voices that come up mm. And with their complications. So in that is the doubt, the restlessness, the craving to for security, the craving to be okay with other people, and perhaps even the, the glum sense of well, I'll never be okay with anybody, so just get on with it. <laughs> you know, we call the defeat programs, where part of part of the uh, error of it all is to have this sabotage defeat program which says well I'm just like this that's the way it is you know you you, you give up on yourself yeah. uh, and that, that that seals it all up so very important to to break that that habit and what monasteries can do is give you some sense if you can step out at least of some of the social program of what you think you're supposed to be worthy, useful, deserving, popular, whatever, you know. And say, no, you don't. You don't have to be happy. <laughs> intelligent, you don't have to be intelligent. You know, you just... So, just giving some raw to, to, you know, to experience some of the, uh, of the uh, origins of suffering, and craving, the power of it. Comparisons, comparisons with what I imagine I should be, these are all elements of suffering. What I think other people want me to be, another fantasy. And so you look into some of these. And these, these are often uncomfortable, often they, they catch you and you're speeding along. But you begin to, if you get this simple sense of embodied intelligence, then you can recognize as soon as you get into a sense of momentum, that something is, is thrusting you along, that thrusting along is craving. It may not seem like it, but that thrusting or that propulsion is, is that's, that's, what, that's what craving is. Craving is not a choice. It's not like, I, oh, I fancy something. Craving is a, it's like a, a plummeting because something is panicking, desperate, hungry. Uh, and it blurs. So as soon as you get into those momentum experiences, then you, you should recognize, oh, wait a minute, where did that come from? 
you know, track it. What's happening? What's really happening? Craving to become something, craving to get things finished, craving to arrive at a, a, a final solution, things like this. And it always sets up these goals that seem so real, and they're just all mirages. So craving clearly, you know, the Buddha says only Buddhas who who really see or who who reveal the Four Noble Truths. So though it's in a way it's exceptionally simple map the four things. I'm only really talking about the first thing. It's you know the vast majority of people don't even see it because you're in it. You know that is you become your craving. You can get a lifestyle out of it. <laughs> and it sounds like it's not a choice. It's not, it's, craving may even be the wrong word for it. It's called, really, the word is thirst. There's this um, pathological urge to it. And the, so the embodied sense, you begin to sense things are suddenly getting very fast. Oh. Or locked. Locked is clinging. You feel yourself locking into something. It's called clinging. The images are of like a locked sense that's clinging. It doesn't feel like clinging. You don't think you're clinging to anything necessarily. But it, the, the, the language is, is confusing because it often means being clung to. Something is clinging to you. Something is, is holding you. Something is gripping you. So you don't feel you're deliberately holding on to anything. You may feel just like, I'm trapped. I'm trapped by forces outside me. No, no. It seems like that. But you're, the trap is not a force out. It's a force within you that projects responsibilities, duties, obligations other people are doing to me. You know or something like that, dilemmas. But they, they're your dilemmas. Um, clinging, locked state. And both of these will, uh, what you find in the embodied in, in sense, is there's always some degree of safety and space. Mm. Mm. The embodied sense always feels safe. Here I am. There's no payment for that. There's no, I have to do something to be here. You are here. It is here. There's no obligation. You don't have to fill in a form or come up with something that would be here. You are here. That's the embodied sense. There's no transaction needed. There's no, I have to be good enough to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no entrance fee. There's no visa. It's absolutely free and given. That's that's our, you know, I think you could say that's our, our refuge. And I reckon that perhaps again, sadly, you know, most people don't experience that. But this is your training to this. Must you must find this because well, you may not feel it all the time. If you've begun to sense where that is and how that is then you've got something that you know when you get into, you know what unsafe feels like. You know what it feels like, you've got to 
keep protecting yourself against make sure that you're good enough so that you won't be criticised that's what we call lack of safety it doesn't mean you know physical violence it means I've got to put up something to shield myself don't let anybody see me as I am experience yeah. that means you're not safe right? safe is, is it's like this well, this is something perhaps you know you might find yourself being able to touch into when you're just kind of when you're on your own you know when you do feel you can let it be how it is so then losing that is the thing you want to notice uh, so the big loss of that comes through essentially because we, we adopt the sensory world as if this is what we're in you know, as if this presentation of sights and sounds is really what where we are, and uh, so once you do that, no, you're not safe because <laughs> this can be taken away from you. This is not something you can have say over. Yeah. So though we live in this presentation of sights and sounds, your safe place is not in in that. Your safe place is somewhere. You know, where you can look out to that and okay mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm here so try to bear that in mind because again the world in general particularly uh, outside the monastery is a place where you know the, the, the tremendous pull to uh, get you out into adopting and belonging and owning and hankering and wrangling over this this stuff which you can't own anyway. So just be aware of that being pulled out. And if something pulls you out, you know, essentially the simple thing is if it if it grabs hold of you, you don't want it. You know, it's something that pulls you out. You, know, I don't want to be pulled out. I want to, you know, I can go out if I need to, but I don't want to be pulled out. So there should be that that uh, freedom that's what the embodied sense can offer you because you have a place already Mm. the other sense that you can experience hopefully um, is well it's very similar it's a sense of space safety, ground, space are all perhaps different ways of talking about the same thing and again what you know about space is losing it losing it when you feel pressure pressure could be desire for something uh, pressure could be feeling you're under pressure there's obligation there's force being applied often it's a psychological pressure you can create to become something to be something you're under pressure that's also a, a sign that this is the mark of suffering and our duty as practitioners is to keep questioning and feeling space so we choose come into this rather than pushed into what we're doing some of these signs are then very helpful because the reason why I will tend to encourage embodied intelligence in many ways is because the thinking mind is so fast and so duplicitous 
and so so convincing mm. that you have to rely upon your, your your kind of your gut intelligence to get around it because it's it, it will weave the most convincing stories. <laughs> so look out for those marks. The mark of uh, self, particularly. It's when self becomes not, well, here I am, but a real, I've got to, I am, I'm not, I should, what they think, you know, the, the, it becomes kind of like a, a self-image, essentially. Watch out for that one. Uh, if, you have, if there's a self-image... And yeah, and and it, it it fixates, you know, you know, either I am suffering or I'm just heading for it big time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So watch out for that one. Watch out for the sense of momentum when you feel yourself being kind of like almost like propelled, pushed along, rushed along. It doesn't mean if you want to, you can run, if you like to run, or you'd like to go fast, that's okay. When you feel yourself kind of driven, then that's, that's a mark you want to watch out for. Just be, this is why I've so often said, you know, practice is often just about taking a 10-second pause. Relaxing what you notice. If you take a 10-second pause, you notice you. Just relax all that. With no, nothing else, no critique, just, just learn to do that. So you're able to moderate your energies. Mm-hmm. And 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. So it's something that seems, you know, affordable. <laughs> just the, because the momentum is, is it's perilous. And uh, for lack of taking 10 seconds, people lose their lives, literally. It's that, it's that, you know, it's because they didn't take 10 second break. That's where the accident occurred. That's where the violence occurred. That's where they lost their temper. You know, so it's not just some kind of subtle meditation practice. You know, we lose lives and we kill for lack of 10 seconds. So it's an important thing to, to factor in, you know, if you, you've got the, your, your phone, your iPhone, so just set it, an alarm. Just kind of put three random alarms on it so that thing goes off, you've got to, it tells you, you know, that, that much. Mm-hmm. Check momentum. Check uh, the sense of uh, loss of space. And loss of safety, presence of safety in space, and the ability to use your practice, your meditation practice, however you want to call it, to just, you know, check in with that. Space should be something you feel as if there's room around you, and you feel safe means you have got no sh- the shielding yeah. around your chest or around your form. That skin edge. And then you've got something you can you can use as a, a reference points as as situations change. So that's about what I want to offer this morning. Thank you.